0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks.
2: When we first conceptualized the last two seasons of Opening Soon, we asked some of our favorite chefs to offer a quote, filling in the remainder of the phrase, opening a restaurant is like. Chef Jonathan Waxman offered the following, opening a restaurant is like going to war. Now more than ever, that seems to ring true in the complexities that plague the current hospitality landscape. Much like war, it takes a lot of money. It takes patience, it takes long days, and it takes a dedicated team. In the end, nobody really wins. The goal is to survive and make it through, to keep your team safe and prepared for the time when this is all behind us.
3: Weeks from opening their newest restaurant, our next guest found themselves immersed, like all of us, in the pandemic. This episode spans nearly six months in the making. We first chatted with Chef Mike Salmanov and Steve Cook back on January 28th, as they were preparing to host friends and family at their newest restaurant, Laser Wolf, in their ever-expanding Philadelphia restaurant empire. You're opening Laser Wolf next week, so what exactly is happening right now in your world? Um,
4: I'm just, I am just put a piece of um, Bulgarian kebab in my mouth.
3: Sounds delicious. That's
4: technically work. Um, <laughs> it is delicious. Yeah, we're here now. Everybody's here training, which is where all the background noise is. So the whole, whole kitchen staff is here, the full front of house staff is here. Um, and they're just running to their paces and... Yeah, I don't know. This one is, like, pretty – I don't know. We've done a few openings already this year, so I don't know if it's, like, being jaded or whatever, but this one seems to be going pretty smoothly so far.
3: What's been smoother about it than openings in the past, or more smooth, I should say?
4: Well, I think the the style of cuisine. It's, like, this is a restaurant that – I mean, this is sort of like a a baby version of Zahav in some ways, so it's a style of restaurant that we've had 11 years of practice at. Um, And, uh, like, as we grow – we're able to see the, the management staffs of all the restaurants with people that have been with us for a while now. So it just feels like everybody knows what they should be doing. I mean, I think Mike and I are probably more more than ever now standing around on the outside thinking, like, wondering what we should be doing because everybody just knows their role. Everybody knows what to be doing. So it feels um, – I don't know. It just feels a, a little bit more like we've been doing this for 11 years already and, and, and kind of – know how it goes so there's less things to freak out about that we would have freaked out about five years ago or um and just people that yeah. know what they're doing
5: more time for us to eat bulgarian kebabs you know?
3: <laughs> so did, have you brought staff over from your other restaurants and are you is is that why it feels much more smooth
4: yeah i mean our yes. general manager and execu- executive chef are long long time zahab alums uh, and then there's probably another half dozen people who have worked either at Zahav or other restaurants in our company that are here as well, um, which I think helps. I think it helps everybody understand what the culture that we're trying to build here is a lot quicker than it would maybe happen without that, That those sort of germinated seeds.
2: Cool. Um, guys, tell us a little bit. So you're a week away right from opening. Tell us a little bit about what's left on the docket. Um, are there permits to still be had? Are inspections all complete? Hiring is done. You know, what, what remains and, and kind of t- just give us a rundown of where you're at. So Steve, again, this
4: one is a little bit unique for us because this, this building not only houses the restaurant that's going to become laser wolf next week, but it also houses our commentary. So we've actually been in here, um, cooking since September. So we already, you know, unlike normal scenario where you're like waiting for that health inspection, uh, for the last minute or you're waiting for the final billing inspection. We were able to get those behind us a long time ago. I mean, there was a little bit of a scare with the liquor license but that came through last week. So we're really in pretty good shape as far as not being dependent on any governmental agencies for permission to open at this point, which is not normally the case. Um, So it's really just, I mean, it's, I don't know, there's a, the biggest difference I think is like cooking, you know, cooking a Bulgarian kebab for like one person and it's great, but how does that kebab taste when you're cooking it for like 250 people a night? So I think that's something that never gets easier, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, everything is pretty much here. I don't think we're waiting on anything really.
3: So that is, I mean, that is exciting. So, yeah, so you're talking about one kebab versus 250. So what's your friends and family and, like, press and opening strategy looking like at this point?
5: Hey, yeah, so I think that, you know, our strategy for this has been really, uh, it's, uh, we have so many different friends and family members now, right? It's like being a little bit selective. And I think because this uh, concept and the people executing it is something we feel pretty fluent about in general, it just requires a little bit less experiment. I think we just have to sort of open and learn how to be busy. But in terms of the actual, like, concept of the restaurant and the way that we are going to sort of execute, um, it's something that we feel really comfortable with. So it's less – um I mean, we'll see. Who knows? But it seems like it's going to be a whole lot less tweaking, whereas I think that every other restaurant that we open, it's like – you open basically so you can get feedback for the first couple of weeks so you can figure out what, ex- what exactly it is that you're trying to say or do.
3: Cool. So you're, t- so you're taking a totally different approach this time, basically. So you're, are you just actually just opening the doors? or you even doing yeah. a, like a traditional friends and family round or, or no? Well,
5: we, we are. We're going to have just, just two nights of it, I believe, and then we're going to close for a day and then open um, sort of midweek.
3: And are you opening like breakfast, lunch, dinner?
5: You know, oh uh, no, we're just open dinner service seven nights.
3: Dinner service, so, and are you going to go full on seven nights from the start?
5: We are, yeah. We are. We like seven nights.
3: You like seven nights? <laughs> All right, seven nights, but no lunch. Yeah, is uh, lunch in in the in the plan for the future, or really, it's just dinner only?
5: I don't i don't think so i don't think so you know we've got a bunch of lunch um sort of restaurants and i think having the meal period sort of broken up throughout the city a it's easier to staff and also like it allows us to sort of manage them you know and and uh i don't know it's easy to get around the city philly is a beautiful place right it's easy for us to get around from concept to concept and restaurant to restaurant and essentially cover all meal periods. And, um, you know, Merkaz and Kfar, even though Kfar has got a pretty extensive dinner, you know, the breakfast and the lunch aspect of it was like something that we had to spend a lot of time wrapping our heads around and adjusting. Um, and I think that seven nights and only dinner is, is something that we're kind of used to doing and, um, makes a little bit of sense for proximity to, like, Zahav, for example, and sort of as it relates to the other restaurants that we've opened. It's like another, uh, a 10 meal period that makes sense for us right now.
3: So you mentioned this is, like, you're, you've had several openings this year, and so this one just feels, like, organic and easier, and, you know, I think Steve was talking to this. So do you worry about, you know, since this is so many so many openings in one year, do you worry about how you're going to staff the other places that you maybe took like your general manager from? And, you know, how do you keep all the, you know, how do you keep all the wheels on for all of the places as you continue to scale like this?
5: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'll speak for Steve. I feel like a lot of what we do right now is, you know, we open restaurants so we can give people opportunities. And I think that it backfires a little bit because we manage to always be a little bit short staffed somewhere. Uh, so I think it goes in waves and that's always sort of top of mind concern for us, how to staff appropriately, how to not have like, you know, the sort of inflated team for too long, um, because it needs to make sense from, um, you know, sort of a number standpoint, but also to make sure that we've got enough resources in place everywhere at the same time, which I don't know if that ever is going to really happen, but we try. I
3: know it's so hard um, to make sure. And yeah, and who knows what it's going to what it's going to look like when you get those doors open. And you mentioned it was like a slightly different opening strategy where usually you're iterating for the first month. And um, and this one you said we're just going to figure out how to be busy from from the start. Is that because there's like so much pre-opening buzz or you just the neighborhood really needs it? Tell me tell me where that's coming from.
4: I mean at this point it's 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 more wishful thinking than than anything I mean, I think the concept to us seems very straightforward, so the idea that, that there's going to be a ton of tweaking after we open seems a little less likely than something like far, which is three meal periods, three separate menus um that just took even though it's a small restaurant, that just took so much work after we opened kinda of trying to figure out what the customers were saying, what they were liking, what they weren't liking. This one, because of the team that we have here, because of their history at Zahab, and because of the similarities between the style of service here and the style of service at Zahab, we just feel I mean all of this could go out the window next week when we're like, none of this is working, we have to we have to <laughs> go back to zero. But it just it feels like the concept is complete. Um as we're you know as as things are sort of taking shape around us and we sit down and we you know it's the you know our executive chef who's been with us for five years serves us a meal it just sort of feels I think a little more complete than maybe the other ones did at the state you know at the stage but um it's still always I think the most important thing is how you react in the first couple of weeks of service how you react to what the feedback is because you don't with the cycle of, you know with with social media and the way that things are the way that our industries like news and, and buzz disseminate so quickly if you're not super reactive right away you're kind of in trouble because you get one shot and if people aren't wowed they move on so there's still a lot of still a lot of pressure and i'm sure there's still a lot of things that are going to change once we start serving people
3: yeah that's i mean that's interesting that you guys are that reactive and it, are you more reactive you find to like your customers on social or in the first opening weeks or to like the early buzz from say like the critics and the press that your like pr team generates
4: yeah i mean i feel like the, the early press tends to be tends to be generally positive because it's not trying to be it's not the critics right away but i don't know people are pretty people are you know whether it's any yelp review or on social media i think people are feel pretty free to be open about their opinions. And I mean, we really consume any bit of feedback that we can get. I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to sort of hate on Yelp, but the reality is very difficult to, to get honest feedback from people, especially, you know, a lot of people will just, you ask them how everything is and they'll tell you everything is great and then go home and, you know, maybe share their real opinion online. So we try to, we try to take. We try to. We try to sort of see the value in getting people's honest opinions, however it comes in, and however much it might hurt our feelings. But um, there's no point in. We're not doing this to please ourselves. We're doing this to please our customers. So we may think something that we're doing is like the greatest thing ever, but if the customers don't like it, then there's really no point.
3: Very true. Hospitality industry is all about our guests, right? It is. All right, guys. Well. Um, on that note, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, like you said, we'll see what happens in a couple weeks after after you're actually opened and, and what changed. So, um, <laughs> we, and, no, but this is fun. This is why we do this because it's a, fingers like,
1: crossed, keep your feet.
3: I know. I'm like, I'm rooting for you guys to tell me guest p- feedback was 100% and nothing changed. I would love that. And if <laughs> stuff does, that'll be cool to see too. So,
4: I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that we can predict with. With 100% certainty that that will not be the case.
3: (laughs) Well, it's always good to see. I mean, you know, if we're a betting man, we'll we'll see. Um, You guys are super busy and it's crunch time with just.
1: I'm Ethan Frisch, co-host of Y Food and co-founder of Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. We set our partner farmers up to export their own crops for the first time, and they get access to a whole new market here in the U.S., and we get access to spices that other companies can't source. We're honored to work with restaurants including Eleven Madison Park, Blue Hill, and Chez Panisse, as well as thousands of home cooks across the country visit us at burlapandbarrel.com.
3: So we're really excited to have you back on the show today. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Um, So catch us up how, um, obviously, as Alex said, it's been a little bit like war out there um, from our quote from Jonathan Waxman. Um, so we talked and you guys were literally doing friends and family like the next day. And then what, like six weeks later, I assume you had to shut down. So tell us, you know, catch us up.
1: Yeah. So it was a really difficult, um, choice. You know, I think that the weekend before we all had to shut down, I was going from restaurant to restaurant just to monitor kind of what was happening. We were getting all this conflicting information which is not unlike today, uh, where it's okay. And, you know, city officials were encouraging people to eat out. Um, And then science was telling us that we shouldn't have crowds. So there was this sort of weekend where Laser Wolf was brand new. I think we were six weeks in, maybe, maybe less. And that weekend was, that week was going to be a record week. And I remember going from Zahav to Laser Wolf and seeing all these people just sort of piled in there and thinking that this was not responsible. You know, it wasn't the right thing to do to stay open. Um, but as Jonathan Waxman sort of said, and that we all sort of echo, it's this imperfect war. And you just you don't know really what the right thing is to do. So we had a tremendous opening. Uh, and we've had sort of a, a reopening. We have so much outdoor seating. Um, That it actually, in the past few weeks, it's been really, really beneficial. Not something we'd ever have to count on as much as we are now. But the neighborhood seems really excited about it. Um, We have enough space inside of the restaurant where it's not cramped. And because of the concept, there isn't a ton of staff. It's very, very simple and stripped back. So I would say as far as sort of reopenings go or openings amongst COVID, this has really been smooth and the restaurant itself doesn't feel weird it doesn't feel like a sort of science project and business which is what i think a lot of people are trying to figure out um i mean adjusting to takeout is weird for anybody that isn't used to takeout but in general i think it's been pretty positive
2: was there a plan to do takeout originally with this concept or no
1: no absolutely not absolutely not so what we started to do was these takeout packages where we would have all the meat, all the chicken, all the stuff sort of marinated on sticks, and then all the salads and all the pita ready to go. And then we made these like videos every week where I'd be barbecuing in my backyard. Um, uh, and people would kind of do their, like it was like a DIY sort of grill party. Uh, and then we started to do outdoor seating where you basically just sit and order, it's like an abbreviated laser wolf experience Salatine, hummus fresh bread kebabs all that stuff and now we're, so we're doing a combination of that and then if people want to come in and order like a meal to go we'll have it cooked for them
3: so you're so you basically now you're doing both the diy like kits and you're also doing like like an abbreviated sit down experience
1: we've actually eliminated the kits Uh, now we're just doing a sit down experience and then a takeout experience that is more like per person if you will and it's already cooked
2: cooked. is that based on feedback or was that based on functionality of operation or i
1: think a bit of both i mean i think everybody got really excited about all the takeout stuff and now i think people just want a bit of normalcy so i think for us it's really about every week figuring out what's the closest to like ideal or what's the closest to normal and uh, whatever that may be and getting there. And then also dealing with fatigue with guests. I mean, everybody was really excited about, you know, certain things the first couple of weeks. I I remember specifically being like, wow, this is great. Uh, Sourdough bread, banana bread every week. Right. Um, And then everybody's like, no, let's not do that. And then it was, I don't know. I feel like everybody was cooking like tons of red meat at the same time. And then uh, now everybody's just tired of all of it. And they just want to like, go back to whatever it is they think is normal.
2: I feel like the customer too is probably gung-ho and excited to like cook for themselves. And then four months later, it's like, like I'm done okay. fucking
3: cooking for myself. I'm like, I
2: don't- I, it's true. Yeah, It's
1: true. I was the same way. I mean, I had sort of not recently, but within the last, you know, within eight months of the pandemic, I had moved into a new house. So I definitely used my kitchen more than any other kitchen ever. To the point, it was so funny. So we were doing these, uh, when I wasn't barbecuing, I was like using the boiler function in my oven. And uh, we were producing these little videos and a, a customer stopped me. They were actually eating at Laser Wolf outside. And it was our first week that we were actually like serving people sort of on the sidewalk. And they were like, man, that was a, uh, that was a very unimpressive kitchen. Is that your actual home kitchen? <laughs>
2: Damn.
1: Damn, dragged. Oh, shit. I know. And I was like, man, who has chutzpah to even say that? And I wanted to say, well, I wanted to renovate my kitchen except our businesses came to a complete halt, but it's yeah, hard. That's so, uh,
3: funny. It's yeah. like, Wow, people haven't gotten the memo. It's just like be really nice right now. Everybody's stressed. I don't. <laughs> it was to.
1: all. It was all in good. Uh, I know. It was, it was funny, and I laughed, and uh, only only am holding a slight resentment now. But it's fine.
3: I love it. So you mentioned like you guys opened with really strong, you know, um, momentum at least, or well, like in fact, I think you already have gotten like two awards from like GQ and um, and Philly Mag. So congratulations on that, for-
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, that's that's exciting. So tell us, like, so you go from this, like, awesome momentum where you're already getting press recognition to having to halt, to having to reconcept and reopen. So, how, like, how have you continued that momentum and how do you feel like you are being judged by the customers and the press and all and all of these other external factors?
1: Well, I just think that it's a weird, it's like, yay, we're winning awards. And I'm like, yay, we're trying to not clothes and so on and so forth, you know? So it's, I don't know. I mean, being judged now is, it that part feels nice because it feels a little bit normal and it feels closer to, to what reality was. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's all surreal. Uh, so getting awards is great. It's nice for morale for our team that has worked so hard um, currently, so hard previously to get to get to that point. You know, I don't know what it means. Um, you know, it means something very different now than it did obviously before. Yeah, yeah.
2: You mentioned the um, that you guys were fortunate to have all the outdoor space at Laser Wolf. Is Philly offering other solutions for people that don't already have outdoor space, like for your other restaurants, where that might not be
1: actually? So they've yeah, they've it's been um, they've responded actually really well in getting the sort of outdoor uh street license to sort of build seating on the sidewalk or on in the like parking spots and uh like the the philly has waived basically um any of the fees uh and sort of expedited the position so people can get open which is great for for i'm like proud of philly for doing that it's you know everybody is saying Oh, you're doing takeout. You're outdoors. you know, you're, you've pivoted. I like hate that word. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're doing like, you know, when we were doing takeout, we were doing like 15% of our sales. So it's, you know, everybody's doing just what they can. And the combination of, um, you know, either loan or PPP money and unemployment, like everybody's just sort of staying afloat and uh, we're just going to power through it, you know, Philly's, luckily an underdog city already. So we're used to sort of adversity. This is really next level um, for us. So I'm just hoping that, you know, we have so many incredible independent restaurants. Um, I just, uh, you know, I get scared for them and I get sad. And, uh, you know, we're a company that has done, you know, you could call us successful, whatever that means that sort of goes away after, all of your restaurants have to close, but we're we're in a better position than a lot a lot of folks to to bounce back. And it makes me sad to think about this sort of family run or independent restaurants that are just starting out, that don't have tons of resources, that have to figure out how to reopen or how to close appropriately. It's just really depressing.
3: It is really it is a really big challenge, and um, you know, I mean, hopefully in this next package there comes relief for independent restaurants because it is the cultural fabric of our, of our communities.
1: Um, Yeah, it is. And it's also the sort of American dream for so many people. I mean, you, it exists in restaurants, it exists in hospitality, Um, not just the idea that you can own a small business that promotes or advocates or tells the story of where you come from, but things like, um, Immigration, addiction, gender inequality, misogyny—those are things that we've that that are part of restaurants as well, and things that are sort of on the forefront. So it just—I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that small restaurants do get relief.
3: Call your representatives, everybody, if you're listening, and ask yeah. for it. I mean, you know, the small calls actually do help.
1: Um, right, a million small calls make a big difference. You know, it's true. It's very true.
3: You know, and speaking of, you know, you guys are an independent restaurant group with what, you have 14 locations, including all seven of the of your federal donuts, is that? Yeah,
1: I think we have 16 locations um, and seven concepts, yeah.
3: Yeah, didn't mean to knock down too. I know each one of those comes with blood, sweat, and tears. Um, but, so, t- so tell us a little bit, you know, as, as you look at the group, how have, you know, how have some concepts fared better than others? And, you know, what, what are you doing?
2: is
1: everything currently open? So we've got um, three of our federal donuts locations open. Um, And that was a pretty obvious one to reopen just because it's sort of built for takeout. Um, But it's like everybody, you know, to just sort of pivot or to adjust is really difficult because you're talking about things like hiring people back um, and maybe sort of conflicting with benefits, unemployment benefits. So it's not as easy as like, turning on the lights and starting to cook. There's a lot that has to happen. And especially with sensitivities to um, uh, like COVID everything, you know, it's, it's not that easy. So federal open first. And then we started to do a day of like teasing off, which is our homeless, a day of Goldie um, a day of Kvar, which is our bakery. And then a day of um, a pickup day of your uh, which was like sort of a prepared meal, even though now we're doing like sandwiches as well as like rotisserie chickens and rotisserie cauliflower. Uh, and then laser Wolf would do the packages. As I said, um, Abe Fisher would do a meal every it was once a week or every other week. And then Zahav would do a a takeout package um, once a week for like Shabbat or whatever. And now We actually have outdoor seating behind Zahab in this sort of courtyard that we've never used before. So we're doing about 100 to 120 covers a night, five days a week, which is pretty awesome. Um, Because it feels like service, right? It feels like dinner service. Uh, Laser Wolf is doing the outdoor seating as well as takeout. Kfar is doing three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of takeout stuff, pastries and... Sandwiches and coffee and and the likes. Merkaz is doing three days, I believe. Deezing off Goldie are doing four days. Federal Donuts is doing four days. And Abe Fisher is doing dinner uh, with takeout on those nights, three days, starting next week. So, yeah, it's a bit confusing. I mean, like I said, every week is a little bit different. We have an incredible, incredible, inspiring team that allows this stuff to happen.
2: Another one of the major issues mike is has been um liquor sales and 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 what a you know strong important role that is in you know the operations on a day to day basis and how that sort of dwindled a little bit. Have you guys yes. seen that happen have you you know made adjustments to
1: yeah I mean we've never been big uh i mean we we obviously have liquor license in most of our locations but we're not like bar people necessarily so um I think that like, there are all these sort of rules. Like you, at first it was like, you could take out alcohol in like, um, bottles, you know, so we could do mixed drinks and sell them, but that that doesn't amount to very much and that's fun. And it's like sort of healthy to have activity, but like selling nine mixed drinks in a bottle doesn't do anything for business. Um, now we've noticed, uh, now, and then I think Pennsylvania switched now, it's like you can only sell alcohol when there's food, because I think that they were trying to discourage like bars and clubs. Um, so I think for us, it sort of matters when people buy like a bottle or something, or like a carafe or Zahav, like that matters. But like I said, we've never been super dependent upon liquor sales.
3: Um, now I know that you have, uh, we have a time you know, want to get you out on time. Um, so, just curious if there's any like part. We talked a lot about you know how it's scary for the small independent restaurants, but are there any you know encouraging things that you've seen? Any good parting words for or outlook for your fellow chefs and restaurateurs as we continue navigating this new normal?
1: I think that there's just so much happening socially and politically. I have to believe that we're going to be a better industry after this. Um, it's hard to not get into politics. Uh, with all this, because I think they're it's obviously directly related, um, but I think that sort of clarity, unity, um, and community are really the key things that sort of take I mean that's what we've seen seen a lot of decisiveness with people um, in the face of perhaps indecisive leadership, and I think that that is um, very encouraging. you know it's hard because you see sort of the essence of people when they're scared and, and that can be really upsetting or disappointing um, but it also relieving to see the way that people sort of rebound and um, behave you know and that has been really good so I think I, to answer your question there will be benefits to this I'm sure of it I'm sure of it uh, I just I think that we have to be further along, <laughs> like hindsight is always twenty twenty, and we can wrap all of this up into a nice little packet, right, um, when we've all sort of made it through, I don't think, I think a lot, I think we need a few months of suffering and uh, maybe some bigger sort of administrative changes uh, in order to, to see the way that the pendulum swings and uh, to see how we get through it. Um, right now, I think that there's just so much uncertainty um, it's hard, I think, to be overwhelmingly positive.
3: I agree. I mean, vote in 2020, people. That's the other big piece. Um,
1: At the end of the day, vote. And I think that, I'll tell you what, from a personal standpoint, this is like the most amount of quality time that I've spent with my, my family. Um, and it's, uh, that has been a gift. Uh, you know, when I'm not like totally consumed or preoccupied with like sort of
3: we feel the you. other
1: stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I got to teach my youngest how to read and ride a bike. Uh, and I've been cooking with them. And that's really been amazing. So there is definitely positive to this. I think that I'm interested in like writing the sort of haiku two months from now, you know, in retrospect. I'll let you know when that is. When the haiku is ready, I'll send it over to you guys, all right? Put it, on,
3: <laughs> put it on all the menus at all the restaurants. I want to see that haiku. 100%. No, I definitely agree. I think, like, as parents to two young kids, Alex and I ourselves, like, the quality time has been amazing. And I I echo your sentiment. Like, I think we've, our society has shifted into this individualistic focus, whereas we need to be focused on community. Um, Yep. So I think, you know, hopefully some, some good things will come out of it. Um, all right. We always like to shout out new restaurants that have either opened or at this point in time reopening. So is there anybody you, you want to shout out in Philly or any friends across the, across the country?
1: Mm man. We have so many good friends in Philly. Kalaya is, uh, just an amazing restaurant. It's a Thai restaurant and knock the chef is, she's like, she's a superstar. So she's been really, really wonderful and inspiring. Kalai has been awesome. Um, I think uh, I really want to eat at uh, like Crocodile in New York. I was really impressed by that. And I just haven't gotten there, but I will. Um, and then uh, another Philly restaurant, sort of an underdog restaurant that um, doesn't ever really get tons of press, but I think it's just one of the most consistent, fantastic restaurants that I go to all the time. It's called Stella, Pizzeria Stella. And it's a star, Steven star restaurant, but the chef Shane Solomon is really one of the hardest working um, chefs that I know. And, uh, such a good restaurant. It's got great pizza and great salads and kind of like everything you want to eat all the time, really consistent, even through all this. So there are so many restaurants, um, so many new restaurants, so many incredible restaurants, uh, that are just facing the utmost adversity. So my heart, uh, is out to everybody there. New York, I miss you guys and I love you guys. And I can't believe how difficult this has been for you all in particular. So I just, uh, you know, say a little prayer for all my industry and all my supporters and, and uh, New York as well. I think you guys are, are tough and the real thing. So I hope that uh, one of these days I get to get a uh, crocodile. Maybe we can all meet up, guys. Yeah, that's sure fun. our screaming, our screaming children that have uh, lost all sense of awareness in restaurants over the past few months. <laughs> we
3: had two of our screaming children in your restaurant last time we were at Philly. So you know, definitely for sure. That's
1: how we do it. I, I'll return the f- the favor, okay? Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on and hanging there, okay?
3: This was awesome, yeah, and thank Thanks, you bye. for sharing with us. It was great to catch up and of course. stay safe out there. All
1: right, be safe, everybody.
3: Okay. Same. <music> Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio is supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.